Welcome to Porcelain Peak, a strange and scary podcast covering all things horror and science fiction. Hey listeners, welcome to Season 2, Episode 3, a.k.a. Episode 46. Ooh, we're climbing, climbing Ooh. fast. As we 50. make our way to 50. Yes, I'm excited. And how's everyone doing? How you doing, John? How you doing, Anthony? I am chilling in the cut. Just got off work. As of time of recording, tomorrow is Friday the 13th. Woo! I'm about to get myself tattooed, probably hang out with some friends, uh, maybe, uh, maybe see if I can... Get a little Friday the 13th in, if you know what I'm saying. Take a trip to Crystal Lake. Yep, <laughs> definitely. Are those euphemisms? What I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It all seems like a bad idea. <laughs> this is a horror podcast. I'm talking about Friday the 13th. You don't want to go to that route. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I think, uh, for the most part, my days consisted of getting really creeped out reading about what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, getting all spooked thinking about the aliens. All right. So today we are going to be continuing our September sci-fi theme and talking about real life alien abductions. Um, I guess I should just put that in quotes. Real life. What, yeah, <laughs> real life. What they claim to be is real encounters. So we'll discuss that in length. And before we do that, John's going to give us a little bit of background on different types of aliens. And I think we'll maybe try to round it out with a discussion on how we feel about aliens in general. If they... They do exist. Uh, maybe I think it'd be a good idea if we kind of give like some of our some of our basic thoughts to start with, like how we feel as far as like if they exist in general, if we think that they've been here, that sort of a thing, just to kind of round everything out. After we've listened to all of the real life accounts, if we feel if any of them feel like they're legitimate or if they feel like they all have holes in them and we don't believe in them, I think that just like a quick like a before starting the research, this is how I felt about it. And now after we've done the research and we've discussed it, how do we feel individually? If it's changed anything about the way we... Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. Cool. Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right, but let's get started with some news. So one thing that I've been wanting to mention to you guys, and we've talked about it a little bit, but I thought it would be cool to have a quick discussion on the podcast, is they are going to be making a sequel to The Matrix. And it's going to be still starring Keanu Reeves and... Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss, there it is. And <laughs> it's still going to be by, I think it said at least one of the Wachowskis. It didn't list both. Yeah, which is definitely something that I think is is interesting. That I mean, beyond the fact that we are coming back with Keanu... I think the main reason behind that is that Keanu is everybody's god now. He's just so popular that they He's Hansel. Yeah, and I mean he's probably <laughs> he's probably the reason that they're even moving forward with a Matrix movie. I'm just curious as to why both of the Wachowskis are not involved. If there's been any sort of falling out or if it's just a time thing, maybe they want to work separately. I know a lot of directors end up getting to a point where they want to work separately. I I'm definitely interested um in what it ends up being. I think it'll be interesting to to look at it now. Because you and I have discussed, I think you and I too, John, discussed how 
looking at the original one now with the knowledge of them wanting to be different genders and how that kind of plays into the story of the first Matrix movie, it'll be interesting to see how this new one kind of plays into that same idea now that they are transgender. You can tell that they wanted to put a lot of that of those ideas into those original movies. I was even uh, reading an article that the character of Switch, do you remember the one that, that wears all white and has the really oh, blonde hair? Right. That character was originally supposed to be revealed to be a man in the real world who was projecting as a woman in the matrix which i i thought that makes a hundred percent sense because of what happened with the wachowskis right um and so i think i i would like to see them lean more into that angle because you can do so much with people swapping bodies and they and they did a lot of that already Mm -hmm. um but just seeing really where they go and how how weird it gets and if it's a good weird or a bad weird like some of the sequels became a little bit of a bad weird in some ways (laughs) or sense eight yeah exactly I wonder what they're going to do because I think both those characters are dead, right? Or believed to be dead. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of bring that back. I wonder if Neo's going to be part of the machines. It would be really hard to say that something like what happened with the Trinity character basically getting super impaled and dying on the ship, how they're going to bring her back. But they could end up being somehow absorbed into the machine city or something and come back as programs or projections yeah Yeah, you know a program in the matrix yeah it'll be interesting to see i like i said i love the first one uh i am i'm okay with the sequels they're not terrible they definitely are a little overblown as compared i feel like the concept is a little simpler and less convoluted in the first one and it suffers from falling into those those pitfalls of oh it's got to be deeper there's got to be more lore there's got to be more to talk about uh in the sequels so we'll see if this one tries to simplify the plot a little bit or if it you know jumps off the deep end and i and i could see with them having taken time before making this movie or i guess just one of the wachowskis having taken time before this that's what i think works so well about the first matrix is that that movie is a culmination of a lot of time that they spent watching anime you know looking at other sci-fi and kung fu and all this and given that time away from the franchise for everyone involved i really am hoping that they do something that's different and simple and works in a lot of the ways that the first matrix did yeah i think it'll be exciting too to see kind of i think you talked about it last week or the week before about how horror movies and in this case a sci-fi movie kind of come up with technical filmmaking techniques like the matrix did mm-hmm. right that whole stop motion like camera the bullet turn time. right bullet time. well not only that but like when the free shit yeah and like they were the ones that pioneered that and then that popped up all over the place i think at one point it was even a fucking backstreet boys video no. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it'll be cool shit. to see if they're able to push the envelope again and do something new again yeah it'll be the same thing that everybody wonders about james cameron with with his avatar movies you know it's been so long since the last one you know not to get terribly off track but that that is what everybody wonders about these directors that come back to these franchises have such a long time is are they going to push the envelope? Are they going to do the thing that changed the game when they made the original movie? James Cameron's going to get sent installed in theaters so that it can be <laughs> in fucking 5D. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping into a little bit of a different category, Konami has announced that there's going to be a new Castlevania game. Unfortunately, that game is going to be a mobile game. Womp womp. That's hot right now, dude. It's, I get it, but Konami's na- making nothing. They, they're sitting on some of the greatest properties ever created. You know, Silent Hill, Castlevania, 
I mean, you've got all these huge like staples in video gaming that they just aren't doing anything with, except for making pachinko machines. And... Do you think that it's a fear of failure? Like, if we come out with a Silent Hill and it sucks, people are going to be like, "Yeah, fuck you guys." Well, that's what I was about to say is that if they come up, if they come out with a Silent Hill game and they put a ton of money into it and they make it this huge, massive thing and then it tanks, then they're just going to be even worse off than they were when they started. So maybe isn't going to please all the fans, but they're doing something that they're seeing other people have success with. Obviously, mobile games, like Anthony said, are huge right now. You got your Pokemon games. And the game, the game that we were talking about, that the Until Dawn guys did. Oh, uh, man, man of a Dan. Yeah, and and these games that that people are, it takes less for people to invest in them. I think people are less interested in buying these huge sixty dollars games these days. It's easier to download the app and you know play it on your phone and spend probably spend more money than that you know on your pokeballs and stuff. But it it seems like a system that works for a lot of people. I agree though that. They don't seem to really have a property that fits a mobile game style like that, mm-hmm. especially something like like a Castlevania. Like I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I'm also not a. I've never been a Castlevania fan, so it's not something that I'm particularly disappointed in. I just am a, was a Konami fan at one point, so it's kind of disappointing to see them do something that isn't grand and huge that everybody's been waiting for. They had Silent Hill in the bag. They just had to let Kojima take care of it. Were they, they had, supposed to do like a Silent Hills? Yes, and it was supposed to have Norman Reedus as the star. Right. Uh, Guillermo Gu- del Toro was yeah. signed on right. to help mm-hmm. with the visuals, and then uh, sounds like garbage project. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then uh, Kojima was the one who who was like the brain, like like the brainiac behind everything, making all the mechanics and stuff work. And when they did, when they released PT, it was incredible. People still play that. Yeah, you I kept, still I kept it on my PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, you can still see on eBay there are people who are selling PlayStations that still have PT on it for like thousands of dollars. Shit, really? Yeah, it's a ridiculous number. Yeah, that cuz that game scared the shit out of like even the most hardcore people when it came out, so. And it was free. Didn't cost a damn thing. Also, Apple had their keynote and uh during that keynote they released the first actual trailer for their Apple TV Plus show C. I saw I I saw that. <laughs> Where's the drum roll? <laughs> what do you call it? Rim shot. <laughs> uh, and it looks cool. I think some of the concept is a little goofy. Uh, it's like a world where nobody can see, right? Nobody can see, but then two people are born that can see, and they somehow these people who can't see somehow know that these infants can see, and that part is something that bothers me a little bit. Oh, that makes sense. How would they know? How would they know? The infants are like, you guys need to decorate this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, give me a... You ugly. <laughs> like, I, I would get, like, when they make it to, like, their, like, childhood territory, but definitely not infancy. Like, I think that'd be an interesting concept to explore even outside of, like, a science fiction realm, where how would somebody who was blind explain things to somebody who is seeing? They wouldn't have an idea of color. I mean, I don't know, because I don't know if in that world... Everyone's blind, and so they have no history of color or people seeing. But if there was no one who could ever see, and then you have somebody who can see, like, how do you explain shit to them to let them understand? Because they're going to see. I mean, they're going to see. Well, yeah. and, and I don't know whether if you were born in a world where everyone was blind and the world had adjusted to that, and then you, you could see. I don't know whether that would be a superpower or a detriment. 
because if the world is designed around not being able to see, I feel like it would even be, it would almost be worse to be able to see because you would not be able to navigate the world in the same way that everybody else does. Or if it would be like you had this superpower where suddenly you were just so much better than everybody else. And the trailer kind of lost me a little bit as, as I was watching it. But I thought, hey, you know, I'll, I'll give it a chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the whole Apple TV Plus thing a chance. I'm interested to see. I mean, they have the money. They have the actors. Like, it seems like a cool, interesting, we, you know, concept. So I, I'll check it out. And, yeah. You know. Agreed. I mean, it, it's uh, for four ninety nine a month. I'm going to watch it. I just don't know if it's going to be this earth-shattering television show or if it's going to be the thing that replaces Game of Thrones. Uh, there are all kinds of things that people are speculating about, so we'll see. But And if it's not good, you just turn a blind eye. Yep. Just, <laughs> ha, 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 you said it's only four ninety nine. Dude, I would log into your account for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything for you? Yeah, so in my corner, um, I... Saw some news today that actually I, I really wanted to talk about because of it. Uh, it chapter two having mm-hmm. recently come out and made such a big splash. Whether that's a good splash or a big belly flop, that's something you know we can talk about at a different time. But Stephen King is huge right now. It's ridiculous how many properties of his are being adapted into TV shows and movies. I pulled up the list on Wikipedia today, and they have stuff listed well past the next few years. And they're already casting, like, Whoopi Goldberg was just cast in the adaptation of The Stand, I believe. Hmm. Um, trying that one again, huh? Yeah. And then, so the big news that surprised me was that he just came out with a new book, which that in itself is not surprising. The surprising thing is, it has only been out for a couple days, and it's gotten rave reviews as being one of the best things he's written in a super long time. So much so that within two days of it being released... It got greenlit for a, a miniseries Jeez. adaptation, and it's selling like hotcakes. I was even talking to my sister who packs at Amazon, and she said she's packing a gazillion copies of it. That's super cool. And now he he just seems to be skyrocketing, you know, into some sort of stratosphere that nobody can even comprehend. If you could have stock in a person, I think <laughs> he would be a a good bet. <laughs> yeah, and so what I ended up doing today is I'm like, you know what? I put this off for too long. I'm super, super excited about Dr. Sleep. I want to read the book beforehand. My grandma has had a huge Stephen King book collection since I was, since before I was born. Yeah. So I just went out there today and said, hey, can I borrow your copy of The Shining? I'm finally going to try to tackle this thing. I can't promise that that's going to happen. I opened that thing up, and it's a big book with tiny, tiny print, but I'm really hoping that I can get through it and hopefully then read Dr. Sleep and then this new book because the reviews seem and the concept seems super cool. I guess it's these these kids who have these special powers and they're getting kidnapped and put – the book is called The Institute. I don't even know if I've mentioned what the book is called, but it's called The Institute. <laughs> and these kids are being kidnapped. And so it's basically, you know, it's the classic Stephen King kids in peril. Um, but apparently uh, that's what he does well. Um, so yeah, they're being kidnapped and they're, they're being tortured or something for their powers to be harnessed. It almost sounds a lot like that new mutants movie that was going to come mm. out that kind of <laughs> disappeared from existence. It's so. coming. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> One of these days it'll come out. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I got. And I, yeah, I just think, you know, it's everywhere you look now, it's a new, it's a new bit of news for Stephen King. So good for him. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be retiring anytime soon. So I think it just goes to show that. You should do cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it's weird that he, I mean, because there's always been Stephen King movies constantly, right? Maybe yeah. not as much as there is now with how much his shit's getting made. But there was always stuff growing up because we had Cujo, Christine, I think Thinner was Stephen King, right? Yeah, definitely. And then even Hearts of Atlantis and... Carrie. Carrie, yeah. And so Green Mile. Green Mile, right. And it's always been constant. But now, yeah, like you were saying, it's fucking nuts. It's everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, we had Castle lawnmower Rock. Man. We, you know, like... <laughs> hmm? It's a lawnmower, man. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Stephen King? Yes. We don't have to talk about some of his projects. I just want Maximum Overdrive. Maximum, <laughs> maximum Overdrive Chapter 2. <laughs> the car has grown up. <laughs> is that it for news, guys? I think so. Yeah, I think that wraps it up. All right, cool. Then let's move on to trivia. See if I can get three in a row. Boo. I'm not feeling trivia. confident in this based on my past history, but we'll see. Here's how we play. Ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Come on, it'll be fun. It's an easy category. Movie trivia. Give you a warm-up question. Don't do this again. Name the killer in Halloween. All right, so we are on that Pass the Popcorn Thrills and Chills edition, and we are working on a point system. And, John, your first card is going to be a 2004 slasher film, and your quote is... He doesn't want us to cut through our chains. He wants us to cut through our feet. That's going to be Saw? Yes. Uh, se- it's actually Seven. <laughs> Damn, couldn't have been an easier card. Yeah, true story. Or easier quote, I guess. Seriously. All right, so that's four points for you, JB. I'm off to a good start for once. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Ooh, 2008 monster movie. Ooh, Okay. Hit me with the clue. Quote is, our options are die here, die in the tunnels, or die in the streets. That pretty much it. Oh, man. Is this one that I should be able to get super easily? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could have told you just from the year and the genre. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. You said monster movie? Mm-hmm. 2008. Cloverfield. It is Cloverfield. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what else? Yeah, it yeah. just dawned on me. I was like, what movie has tunnels, streets, and... <laughs> And that's about it. <laughs> that about it. It even straight up says that about it. There's that no about S. It. There's no S. 1979 sci-fi. Your clue is perfect organism. Its structural perfection is only matched by its hostility. Is it alien? Yep. <laughs> it's like, come on, dog. I had to double check. I'm not just going to guess willy-nilly. Some kind of willy-nilly guesser. <laughs> okay, 1968 horror. 68 horror? Damn it, dude. (laughs) You got the easiest two fucking quotes, I swear to God. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. They're coming to get you, Barbara. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That's Night of the Living Dead. That is. Actually, it was Naked Lunch. (laughs) (laughs) It's cute. So what are you at? Eight? Eight. Damn. For the first time since the new system. Remember when I swapped that card? That, yeah, I try to forget about that. <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> uh, 1931 thriller. Mm. Shit. All right. Your quote, sir. I never drink wine. Dracula. It is Dracula. <laughs> oh. I don't know what's happening today, but I'm like blanking hard, and then it's just coming to me all of a sudden. <laughs> I-, I liked your read, too. <laughs> I never drink. 
wine. Wine. Well, to me, I, it definitely <laughs> sounded like you were doing a Hannibal Lecter, and I was like, but that's definitely not the right year. <laughs> well, I can't say, I never drink uh, <laughs> wine. <laughs> not going to do that. That's I cool wish on. that you would have. <laughs> I think everybody does. All right, so eight and eight. Yep. Oh, shit. Pressure's on. All right. We're looking at a 1997 slasher film. The tagline is, he's got a hook on them. I know what you did last summer. Yep. You nailed yeah, it. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Fuck, a three-way tie? <laughs> <laughs> Guess we're going to have to go to another card. All right. So we're in a weird three-way tie. So to fix that, we're just going to keep going through cards. This one might be tough for you, John. But we'll see. It's going to be a 1996 fantasy. And the quote is, you know, in the old days, if a witch betrayed her coven, they would kill her. I'm going to take another clue. All right. So the next clue is going to be characters. This is going to be newcomer Sarah Bailey and witches Bonnie, Nancy, and Rochelle. Is it The Craft? It is The Craft. Oh, okay. All for right. three points. That would have been my guess, too, but I was like, I have no idea. Yeah. All right. So that puts you at 11? Yeah, 11. I am sweating. Uh, the pressure uh, is on. <laughs> this is intense. No one else realizes how perfect that shit is based on the, the t-shirt that I'm oh, wearing. Oh, shit. Yeah, we didn't talk about t-shirts today. John is wearing a Lego My Ego with Eleven's hand and an eagle on it in Stranger Things font. And Anthony is yeah. wearing a Scream shirt with... Is that Drew or... I don't know. I don't know. It has the the, the Screaming Lady <laughs> on it. <laughs> it has the Screaming Lady from the cover. From the cover. And then Anthony's in a nice uh, nice gray and green uh, pocket tee. <laughs> I had work today. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> You're getting a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, 1956 monster movie. I feel uh, like you're getting the harder ones, maybe. No, not this one. This is Tokyo. Once a city of six million people. Godzilla. It is Godzilla. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, so well, I'm out. You're out. I'm I'm cool with that. I I made it through two cards and didn't make myself look like an asshole. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Just implied it. <laughs> All right, you are looking at a 1999 thriller. Oh, man. Oh, God, this is so stupid. Really? <laughs> yeah. Damn it. The quote is, I see dead people. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. You were saying I had easy cards. That's going to be Lady. <laughs> <laughs> and the Tramp. <laughs> That's going to be the Sixth Sense. Oh. Yeah, you got it. Twelve to twelve. I'm, all right, so this is we're going back to our original two-person tiebreaker format, where I read the type and the quote, and then whoever guesses it first, he's got to finish the quote. Yeah, got to finish the quote. This confirms some things from an episode in the past. Nineteen ninety-five horror. We see a deadly sin on every street corner, in every home, and we tolerate. Well, not anymore. Seven. It is seven. <laughs> Tone for the win. Damn. Woo! And the streak is over. Anthony Silva with the win. How's it feel to be on top? That was honestly uh, one of the most intense and exhausting things I've done in a while. But I'm I'm happy and uh, I hope that I can keep it up. <laughs> uh, that was a an ex actually exhilarating round of trivia. We, I think we all did very well. Yeah. And fuck the craft. <laughs> If you enjoyed that news segment and that trivia segment, then hit that subscribe button so you never miss a zany episode. And while we're at it, we haven't talked about them in a long time, uh, but I think it's a good opportunity to talk about PodCoin. Uh, PodCoin is the only way I listen to podcasts now. 
It's a, a great way to not only listen to every single one of your favorite podcasts, but also get paid for it. Boom. That's pretty cool. How do you get paid, John? Uh, so you download the application. Uh, when you sign up, uh, it'll ask you for a code as to how you found out about it. Enter Porcelain to get 300 free coins from us. Uh, and every time you listen, you get, uh, you get based on the time frame that you're listening for, you get additional coins that that can be used to purchase, uh, gift cards given to charity. Uh, there's even some items on there. I know the last time I saw items on there, it was a pair of, uh, Bose headphones, but there's all kinds of cool stuff that you can get from listening. Like I said, it's the only way I listen now. Uh, pretty much all of it, all of the, all of the coins that I get go towards charity, but no, you're so sweet. Oh yeah. At, it's just it's a like I said it's a super easy way to find new podcasts and to listen to uh, your favorite shows um, and like I said if you're gonna do it might as well get paid to do it right yeah make a little bit of scratch on the side yeah, yeah. you're welcome all right so again that is porcelain that's p o r c e l a i n for three hundred bonus coins so now that we're done with all of that we will go ahead and get into our main dish. I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? Ignorance is bliss. All right, I'm going to shoot it over to you, John, so that we can get some background on the different types of aliens. There are a lot of schools of thought about extraterrestrial beings, um, and for the most part, it seems like most people believe that there's somewhere between 12 and 14 different alien creatures that have attempted to make contact with Earth. A lot of the stories are, you know, deeply rooted in weird conspiracy theories and all this crazy shit, so I'm going to go over the list and then we'll probably talk a little bit about a couple of the the main ones, the ones that most stories are about as far as abductions and that sort of thing. Want to do your X file sound effect? What's my X file sound effect? <laughs> They're like, oh, so <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, sorry, listeners, that's staying. <laughs> all right, so there are a few of them that are considered to be like multi dimensional beings that helped like create earth and create life on earth it's tougher to point to those things and say oh yeah that's definitely a thing and that's not somebody just coming up with some weird aliens type of thing um but so there's the blue avians they're considered to be a multi-dimensional being the arcturians are considered to be like the most advanced uh being in our galaxy uh the pleiadians those are the nordic aliens and they are considered to be the most humanoid they actually are considered to look like people from norway which is interesting uh but they're one of the ones that are most heavily reported on aside from the greys which are easily far and away the most heavily absolutely talking about you know the almond shaped black eyes shorter in stature three to four fingers giant bulbous heads you know, the stuff that you see in just about every single film. The ones from South Park. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Lyrans, the Syrians, not to be confused with Syrians <laughs> or Assyrians, but they're saying that, that the Syrians are the ones that are supposed to be like the earliest recorded being ever. And that they like a lot of like the Egyptian and Mayan gods 
are based off of this particular alien race. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Tall whites, which a lot of people consider to also be uh, Whoa, Anthony Silva. Colin Chas. And also, <laughs> and also, also just considered to be the Nordics, which I... Which it's tough to like speculate as to where all of these discrepancies lie, but a lot of people consider them to be the same, but there are people who consider them to be different. Don't at me. Like I said, this is not my <laughs> my particular belief system or anything like that. Uh, the Anunnaki, which means uh, those who can from heaven to earth, which are also considered to be creator gods from a different type of religion uh reptilians which you obviously hear a lot of stories the about. lizard men yeah uh, basically They're running the government <laughs> yeah basically that's like any like illuminati story you're going to hear about things like reptilians uh um, illuminati is that a new group or <laughs> uh mantis aliens which i'm just convinced that they're just talking about brack and uh <laughs> the sasani and the Zeta Reticulans. Those are... Oh, wait. There's two more. <laughs> Iargan and Yael's. There, like I said, there are so many different races and stuff like that. But I think that the ones that you're going to hear about in all of our stories and probably the most of the stories that you see on the internet, because there are a shit ton of them, are going to be focused on the Greys and the Nordics or the Tall Whites, whatever you want to refer to them as. Uh, those are going to be the ones that are in most cases your abductors yeah i think outside of the image of a flying saucer the greys are probably the most synonymous with the idea of an alien or an extraterrestrial especially when it comes to abduction stories especially when it comes to characters played by seth rogan <laughs> yep <laughs> paul yep <laughs> um real quick before i move on i just wanted to let listeners know that what john meant to say was zorak <laughs> <laughs> who's brack He's like the doofy one. He kind of looks like a mantis a little bit. Okay, but you did mean. I 1,000% <laughs> The one that is a mantis. You are, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> Fucking making corrections mid-episode. Thanks, asshole. What? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want the backlash. We're going to get so many ads on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Like So those are the, the main races. Like I said, the, the biggest difference between the two of them, obviously, is that the greys are barely humanoid like i said they they look very weird but they do still have those long spindly limbs but are also very short in stature uh they have those giant eyes that sort of thing um and then the nordics are actually supposed to look like big us blonde kind of like weird blue eyes uh, prometheus? Like prometheus yeah the whatever those were called even even more the humanoid than that the like, like I said, yeah. with like actual like with Hair, like almost more like Michael Fassbender's character. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Just they're just, they're supposed to be somewhere between like like six and a half to seven feet tall. Should like change. just just really big people. Well, I know a lot of people would Swiss not people. have a problem with an entire race of Michael Fassbenders. So <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, tell it to people that panned Alien Covenant. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which Fassbender? <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to be strikingly beautiful. But yeah, so one of the earliest cases. Uh, reported would actually be someone who would be considered a tall white or a Nordic uh, is, let me get the name. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name. I apologize. I'm pretty sure it's Antonio Vias Boas. He claimed in uh, the fifties that he was abducted by aliens. And you're going to see a a big heavy pattern in a lot of how this works. Uh, Most of the time they, uh, see some kind of weird lights or they end up in some kind of a weird scenario and then they lose massive chunks of time 
So they'll have been looking at something and it'll have been like midnight and then they'll all of a sudden in a split second, it will be like four or six hours later, sometimes even days later. And then they'll have no recollection of what happened. Just know that something weird took place and they lost all that time. And in a lot of situations, people will go back and get some type of hypnotherapy and uncover these acts that have taken place. That's where part of the backlash comes from these stories is that, you know, is it or is it not something that's true? Uh, I mean, for me, right off the bat, uh, some of these stories are very compelling. Some of them are things that that uh, have definitely piqued my interest when it comes to these types of stories. Before starting this research, I wasn't sure that they were much more than stories. I do believe that aliens exist. There's got to be something else that's out there. I don't know if they visited us or if anybody has actually perceived them visiting us. There's definitely weird stuff, but it's tough to say what's not government interference, what's not people on drugs, you know. Yeah. It's hard to point back at those things. Is there anybody else who wants to give their opinions pre-doing research? If we think aliens exist? Yeah, aliens existing, if they've made contact with us, that sort of thing. I guess the I guess the I mean the better question in this case is whether you cuz I mean we we can talk about whether alien extra like life exists somewhere else out in the universe, but I think the the better question here is whether we believe they've come to our planet, whether we believe there have been extraterrestrial uh, if there's been any involvement here on, on our planet, I think is a more interesting question because easy, it's easier to just say in the wide, massive, infinite universe, some life exists, but has some sort of intelligent life actually come to earth and affected anything? I, it's, that's hard to say because I mean, I, I think there's the argument, right? Where it's like, well, if they were here, why haven't they come back? And not that that's the best argument, you know, I guess, you know, I went to, Idaho once and I haven't been back. <laughs> this mean I didn't go there, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess there's that whole thing. But I mean it's weird. I like the idea that was presented in Prometheus where somebody came here and like started life. And that sounds like that's a lot of what these the aliens that John was listing, that's a lot of what those stories are, is some alien coming and creating something and then disappearing or Right. Yeah. And then there's that idea too of like we're ants on an overpass. You know, when you drive by ants on an overpass you're so above them and as in like an intelligent form that you're not going to notice that. So if you're able to travel through space, like an alien would have to be, then why give a shit about what's going on here? Yeah. So I would say I'm 50, 50 on it. When I was young, I was very, very convinced. And it was something that definitely, I, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books about alien conspiracies I laid awake at night thinking that I was going to be abducted. It was a very big part of my childhood, and I think that came from watching things like The X-Files or like Fire in the Sky, things mm -hmm. that really scared me and interested me as a child. And like I said, I think it's, I think it's interesting, but really I, when it comes to things like aliens and ghosts, I tend to lean more toward not atheist on the idea, but more agnostic, mm -hmm. like more just like skepticism. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptic. I don't, I don't feel like it. I think that there's a lot more going on that's interesting about these abduction stories and these these alien stories than the idea of aliens actually existing. Like you're saying, things about the psychological phenomena, people losing time, things like that. I think there's a lot that's mysterious about that. But I just, at the end of the day, I find it really easy to believe. Like, 
it's like a Bigfoot thing, you know, somebody, mm-hmm. somebody, it got into the, the public conscious at some point and, you know, took off from there. And so at the end of the day, I found this research more interesting and these stories more interesting because they're good stories yes. and they, and they have a lot behind them. And a lot of people put a lot of time into trying to figure out whether the aliens exist or not. And I, I just tend to find that after, afterward, I, things haven't changed too much, but you know, we can talk even more at the end about has your third eye been opened and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like I said, I think it sounds like for the most part that we range from cautious optimism to full-blown skepticism, yeah. which is, I would say, about the normal consciousness. No one here is a conspiracy theorist. Nobody here is out there combing through the Reddits and trying to figure out what kind of crazy bullshit is going on, what wool is being pulled over our eyes from the government. None of us are planning on running to Area 51 sometime later this month, which really will not happen. So you might be a little more interested in what happened to Antonio. So going back to his story, so essentially what took place in 1957 is he was 23 at the time. He is from Brazil, and he uh, saw a red star, as what he described it, in the night sky. And uh, from there, a craft descended down. It popped out little legs and landed. And then uh, based on his information that he was given after that, he at first stated that he did like just all of a sudden he woke up in the field and that time had disappeared, that it was several hours worth of time was just gone. Um, after going through hypnotherapy, which is the common occurrence after one of these time frame skips exists that that's led up to by some kind of a weird like light or or substance missing kind of a thing. Like a lot of people will say that they like drove into a mist or other weird, crazy stuff. After the hypnosis, he basically stated that he was taken on board by humanoid creatures that were, um, some of them seemed like what you would typically describe as a gray, but that there were also people that you would describe as a Nordic on board as well, uh, that they did some minor experiments that, you know, the whole, the probe and all that other BS. Um, but also that he um that they brought out a woman who was would be described as a nordic uh blonde hair very very blue eyes um a very beautiful woman and they didn't have the real ability to communicate because of obviously like language barriers and all that good stuff but based on like gesticulations and everything they were, he was able to figure out that what she wanted was to have sex and so so he obliged that's how you know it's made up (laughs) yeah so no so what he's saying is that he had sex with the alien and that it wasn't anything crazy or over the top but that like once once they had completed uh she like rubbed her belly and then like pointed towards the sky basically saying that i'm going to take the child that i'm about to raise now and i'm going to raise it in space uh which is Super bizarre and very weird, and a lot of people tried to pick holes in his story for a very long time. And women uh, don't voluntarily want to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, at least, like it was just a a very weird occurrence, and it's one of the earliest ones that was taken and run with in the national news. And he, up until the day he died, was very, very staunchly for his stance, basically saying, "I." You know, this definitely did happen. I'm 100% positive of it. Um, I'll Even in further cases, like the one that I'll talk about, probably will go around a little bit, but the one that I'm going to talk about 
uh, that I think is the biggest proponent for. Um, there are even some situations where some people had polygraph tests that were done. I want to say that he had a polygraph test that was done, uh, but it was by someone who would be considered an amateur and not someone who was like a police rank polygraph tester, but he did pass that polygraph test. So he did truly believe that he was abducted and that he had had sex with an alien. Nah, bro. I fucked that alien. (laughs) (laughs) To go back to what you were saying earlier, did he have a history of any kind of drug use or mental instability or anything like that? So at the time that it was in the fifties, most people didn't notice a lot of those things. So he wasn't ever institutionalized. He went right back to being a Brazilian farmer after that. But he was very isolated and lonely. It sounds like, I mean, if if mm -hmm. you're living alone on a farm, you know, in Brazil somewhere, you might start thinking that you really need to get some. And that's where where the aliens come in, you know? Yeah. Once you pop the cork, then they just start rolling in. (laughs) So, I mean, it sounds like that is probably at least part of it. Is... Yeah, it's a very high possibility. Like I said, the you know, the lonesome mind does weird, crazy tricks. And like I said, you know, who doesn't want to think about a weird, sexy, blonde alien and then just take care of business, you know? Yeah. That could very well be part of it. Um, and like Antonio, we get it. You're a deadbeat dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's really tough to speculate on cases where people are no longer with us. Yeah. Just because... People have people question this person for the rest of his life, and he lived a fairly long life. He uh, he was uh, in his twenties in the fifties, and he lived all the way into like the late nineties, early two thousands. I believe he. I read that he became a lawyer later in life as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so wild. did well for himself in general. It sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> he needed that fame to boost him up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, jumping uh, forward a little bit in time, one of the first big recorded incidents of alien abduction, one of the first big publicized ones, was in 1961. Uh, it was a, a couple driving down through New Hampshire. They had gone on vacation um, up north. I believe it was Niagara Falls, and they were taking the long drive back home. It was uh, Barney and, and Betty Hill, and they were an interracial couple in the 60s, and uh but they seem to be very happily married. They didn't seem to have uh, too much trouble. They're driving along the road and they see what looks like a moving star next to the moon. And at first they think, oh, it's probably a shooting star. But Betty realizes that the star is actually moving upward in the sky as opposed to falling like a typical shooting star. So she asks her husband to pull over and, and, Pull out his binoculars, which apparently in 1961, dudes just carried binoculars with them. You know, he just... Got my knocks. Yeah, got my knocks. <laughs> so, Barney pulls out his knocks. At first, he thinks, oh, it's just a, it's an airplane. It's an airplane. That's when the thing, without seemingly stopping and turning, starts coming straight toward them. Shit. As it gets closer, he starts to see that it doesn't look like any craft that he's ever seen. He later described it as looking like... A pancake. Shit. So as it's coming toward them, they hop back in the car. They start taking off. The thing flies over them. They said it was about probably 80 feet above them. That's when they see it's taking up their whole field of vision. It's this craft with this giant window in the front. Barney takes out his gun. He gets out of the car. And he he steps out and starts walking toward the craft to see what's going on. The craft has the clear window in the front. He sees several figures that he described to sound a lot like the Greys. 
but in in uniforms, they were wearing uh, black uniforms and hats, kind of like uh, like a military like a military uniform. Mm. Uh, so he's moving toward the craft. They basically what he described at the time. He didn't know the word telepathy. He said they had kind of like uh, like thought transferred the idea to him that he needed to stay calm, and the beings then went and pulled a panel, pulled a switch. He realizes, oh shit, we're we're gonna get abducted. So he runs back for the car, uh, gets in. They start taking off. As they're driving, the car starts to make. They start hearing beeping or buzzing noises that seem to be bouncing off the truck, the trunk of the car. So they're freaking out. They're they're trying to get out of here. The thing's following them the whole time. Finally, they start to feel like the car is vibrating, and they go into a state where they said their their minds had been dulled with a little bit of what seemed like maybe just a few minutes they come back to consciousness they look they realize it's been seven hours they they've they've moved seven hours driving and they've lost that much time so at that point they don't know what happened they can remember brief little bits of the road they remember describing seeing a fiery ball floating above the ground so they go back home at first, things seem to be kind of normal. Then Betty starts to... Re- she notices that on the, the dress that she had been wearing when she was abducted, it had been torn and it had this strange pink dust on it that I guess had been analyzed um, later on. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, according to whoever analyzed it, it was not a substance of this earth, you know, in quotes. But... Uh, moon dust. Moon dust, yeah. And then at that point... Classic so- pink moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they start to re- they start to you. get these these strange urges. Betty starts taking all of their luggage and putting it near the door, mm. saying that that they can't keep it where they normally do. It has to be by the door. Barney, at the same time, he starts getting this strange compulsion to check his genitalia, which he later reported there were was no problem with. Um, <laughs> I had to check it, but let me tell you, it's still works. And I mean, by. hey, you know, you you got you got to check you got to check sometimes. So. So Still just, works, ladies. You, yeah, that's that's the whole point. You just got to publicize. Be like, hey, just in case I get a divorce, <laughs> just got to let you know. <laughs> genitals were just fine. They worked perfectly fine. It is even, good. Even a little bit bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so some time passes. Betty starts having these nightmares, these extremely vivid nightmares, where she's starting to recall bits of the abduction. She's starting to recall being in the ship. She's recalling what was done to her, you know, having skin samples taken, having blood taken, having a needle put into her belly button to test her nervous system. She starts talking about seeing the leader of this group, showing her a star map of what, what planet they came from, which she later described as a hologram. So she's having these dreams. And Barney's kind of like, okay, we need to chill on this because I don't know what happened and I don't really think we got abducted, but whatever. So they start, at at that point, they decide, okay, maybe we should go talk to the church. They go to the church, they talk, and they are told that potentially hypnotism might work for them, Mm -hmm. which which is what happens in most of these cases. They might be able to get some sort of better, clearer recollection of what happened. They, over the course of, I believe, a couple of years after that, start doing uh, hi- hypnosis in separate rooms so that their testimony can't conflict. And that's when it starts. they start to remember more about the abduction. And they start to remember more about, like, uh, Barney, remember being probed, being in a trance-like state, walking through the forest, 
Betty remembers walking through the forest and talking with the leaders who seem to be able to talk English, but through thought. And she recalls all this stuff about being given a book by one of the aliens that had all this information about them. And basically the aliens told her that they had come here just to test to see what the differences between humans and their species were. So the hypnosis goes on for several years. There was a lot of looking into exactly what had happened. Uh, at one point, Betty called an Air Force base and asked if they had seen um, or picked up anything on their radar. There are conflicting reports about whether they picked up exactly on the same night what was in the sky. Some people say yes. Some people say no. What they picked up was on different dates. So basically, at the end of the day, they decided that, hey, we know we've been abducted. The hypnosis has revealed that for us. But they became less afraid about what had happened once they had gone through the hypnosis. They had kind of come to terms that it had happened, even though most people didn't believe them. Betty was always a lot more sure of what had happened. She even wrote a book about it later and, and ended up becoming kind of a whack job uh, UFO speaker. and um, That's another thing that's a very common thread. A lot of people end up, when they realize that they've gone too crazy and no one will hire them, they end up uh, hitting the... Uh, the UFO convention circuit as like a, like a person who's going to sign weird things or will come out and speak about their uh, encounter stories. And it's tough to say whether or not that's where things intent were intended to go. If their scenarios are things that are like malicious and in like intent, if they were like, Oh, I'm going to create this story and I'm going to make a lot of money doing it. Yeah. And in their case, they never, until later, maybe with writing the book or, or doing, you know, there were movie adaptations and things, but they never seem to be out for money. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the theories um, look at the fact that they were an interracial couple and that potentially stresses of society at that time with their marriage caused them to have this kind of shared psychotic episode. But they always stated that they were in a very happy marriage and that that, that wasn't the case. Other people say that because they had been driving for so long, they must have been very, very tired. And a lot of time when you're tired and you're driving, I mean, this has even happened with me, you know, driving to L.A. and back, you start to kind of lose track of, of time. And, and it can, you know, at some point, if you're really stressed and, and you're tired, sleep deprivation can cause you to see weird things. Um, other people say that Barney's description of what the aliens looked like happened about 12 days after an Outer Limits episode came out that had a very similar description of or a very similar visual of their alien species. He always denied that he even knew what the Outer Limits was. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting theories about, if, yeah, how they could have had some sort of shared psychosis. And there's a lot more detail. I would definitely encourage people to look into it because I just breezed through it as fast as I could. But there's a, there's a lot more, and that's it's very interesting. It also sounds similar to Close Encounters a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're like on this road and then it hovers over the car and kind of just absorbs the car. That's what I, when you were describing the beginning of it, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Spielberg, yeah. Spielberg made that. <laughs> yeah. And you see, like, <laughs> but that you, was like 20 or 20 or 30 years after right. this took place. But you see so much of like these stories have become integral to the UFO, basically mythology. X-Files referenced in one of their best episodes, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. They reference Barney and Betty. They've been referenced in Gravity Falls, the cartoon. Mm -hmm. they, they get referenced everywhere when it comes to UFOs because they were the big public story. It almost feels like if you're looking at it from a skeptical eye, it could be something where this was the template. This was the thing that everybody jumped on the bandwagon for and was like, all right, so if we make our story similar to that one, 
it not only lends credence to that story, but that story then in turn leads, lends credence to ours. And looking at it, you know, as a skeptic, it's tough to say, you know, if saying that this story is true, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of these other stories afterward were true. Some of them are very compelling, like I said, and there are differences, there are discrepancies, and there are things in the stories that make them unique. And especially when you look at some of the stories that have multiple people, because obviously that first one was just one person. So you're going to catch a lot more skepticism because it's one person. You don't have to keep a story straight. It's what you say, and that's it. There's nobody else to keep you accountable. With that story, uh, there are two people, and for the most part, they kept their stories pretty straight. They obviously had some separation during that time because of you know because they were being examined and that sort of thing so they kept them separate and that's where their stories had areas to deviate all right well i guess i'm up next this one's gonna be pretty weird so i guess it loosely ties into our topic last week where we talked about other media so the way that i came across the story is on an old under oath dvd (laughs) Which is super weird. So their album, Define the Great Line, came out with a DVD version, mm-hmm. and there was a little Easter egg. There's like a dude on a hill, and if you select just right, it lights up this dude on the hill, and it's selectable, and then just goes into a random recording of a dude giving this alien story. And so this is his story. Um, he doesn't have a name. He never gives his name. I'm sure he has one, I guess. So we'll just call him Jerry. <laughs> so this takes place in 1993, and... Jerry was living in Vegas, and he got a call from these two ladies, and they had been in touch with William Cooper. And so during the time of that I was watching this video recently, I did some research, and this is a real guy. William Cooper is a real person, and he wrote a book called The Pale Horse. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, uh, Beyond the Pale Horse. And he was uh, retired Navy intelligence, and he claimed to have been part of Area 51. And um, so these two girls said, hey – Cooper gave us a call, and he's been going around explaining what's going on with the government. I guess that's what he did. He toured around talking and telling people like what the government's really been up to. Jerry claimed that claimed that Cooper was murdered in Vegas because he was drunk and in front of his wife and kids. So I looked that up, too, to see if there was any accuracy to that. And apparently Cooper was murdered by two cops. They He was on trial or like getting charged with tax evasion for years. He claims that it was because the government was targeting him, specifically Bill Clinton was out to get him. And so he shot at the cops, shot one of them in the head, and then in turn was shot and killed by the other cop on the scene, which is pretty wild. So anyway, that guy's real. And Bill told the ladies that at 8.30 on the specific day, the government was testing UFOs in Area 51. So Jerry was like, all right, I guess I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) He was the original Storm Area 51. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So he was saying this was before, I guess now there's a huge perimeter. It's like a 60-mile perimeter around Area 51. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that when he went, they hadn't had that yet. So he was pretty close to, I guess, the actual facility. So he waited on the border for about 25 minutes. Security shows up, pull up with guns. And they're like, hey, what are you, what the fuck are you guys doing? You know? Yeah. Like, oh, we're just stargazing. And so they... Asked them for their IDs, and they searched their car, and obviously they didn't find anything. The um, guards asked them to leave, and they said, no, nah, we're going to chill. We're not doing anything. Like, this is public land. We're just going to stargaze. And so then the guards went a small distance away, still visible, but didn't actually leave where they were. And they were saying something about, like, hey, we, we test stuff here. We wouldn't want you to get hit by anything. 
which is a pretty fucking scary thing to hear. So after about 25 minutes, 30 minutes, one of the girls is like, oh my god. So they go to look and there's 24 disc-shaped objects in the sky. So they just took flight out of nowhere and just appeared in seconds. Whoa. And they were up in the sky for 35 minutes. They were silver and changed colors. Said that they were performing maneuvers that just didn't seem possible, like doing perfect right angles or perfect left angles, like moving very geometrically. And then at one point, they all came together in like a big swoop and then vanished. Whoa. Acid trip. Acid (laughs) trip. (laughs) He said after they vanished, they felt a rumble, which I guess plays into the idea that Area 51 goes deep underground so that i guess to them they were thinking that it was the crafts going under and like in the facility underneath Mm -hmm. right yeah so i guess i caught some of the stuff on camera the girls brought cameras i mean it's the 90s though so how good are those cameras probably you know what i mean yeah they're they're, they're potatoes yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i guess they said about 20 minutes later because they just kind of chilled still one of the ladies screamed she was more scared this time and, she's, and then, I guess, appeared this silver ball in the sky. It was about half the size of a, of a large full moon. So then, I guess, out of that first sphere shape, another one appeared from that. And they're these big, massive, like, half-moon-sized objects. And a, apparently a bad feeling came over all of them. I think that's similar to what you were saying, right? Yeah, yeah, where they're kind of, like, losing losing their, like, ability to think or... So Touch from reality. Yeah. They all felt awful. And the girls became hysterical. And the guy said he started speaking in tongues because that's what he does. <laughs> and he said he was terrified. So he was like praying. Like, I don't, I don't let anything happen to me. I'm freaking out right now. Yeah. And then the orbs disappeared. They just were gone. And then they still felt awful. And then about 30 seconds later, more orbs appeared. Now there was five big ass orbs. And then from there, they still felt awful. Then they disappeared again for several minutes. And they came back and then there were seven orbs. And that went on. Where they would disappear and come back for about 35 minutes, they said. And then afterward, they heard, like, a giant whistle. So now the orbs are all gone. Okay. They were just kind of floating, chilling, not really doing anything, but vanishing and then multiplying and vanishing and multiplying. And then they heard this whistle that I guess was pretty audible. And and they look up, and there's a comet flying over them with this big silver head and this long red tail. After that happened, like that came by and went, and then security left. They had the right idea. They booked it. <laughs> yeah, right. Adios, Nutrachos. I quit. And so then at this point, that's the last thing that Jerry and the girls remember. They suddenly woke up and they were in different spots. So they, I guess originally they were like outside in lawn chairs or camping chairs, whatever the fuck they had in the 90s. And <laughs> beanbag chairs. It's <laughs> <laughs> out in the middle of the fucking desert. Anyway, yeah, so he woke up in the car, and there was a, he was in the back seat. The girl was in the front seat, and they had no, and they all woke up at the same time with no recollection of falling asleep or what happened after the comet went over their head. Mm-hmm. And they all just were like, "Wait, what the fuck just happened?" So they're all freaked out. So he's finally like, "Let's let's go. Like, what are we what are we doing here? You know?" And when they're deciding to pack up and leave, a helicopter comes out, and it's like flying above them. He said it was close enough that they could see the people in the helicopter. And they tried to take pictures of it, and then the helicopter followed them for about six miles. And that's the end of their story. So apparently this guy and these girls were interviewed. They went on to, like, Radio Free America and were interviewed by this guy named Anthony J. Hilder. And I looked him up, 
a real person too. Mm-hmm. And he did do the Radio Free America and other kind of broadcasts. And he was into aliens and that kind of stuff. So it was like right up his wheelhouse. And apparently they were on some random episode of Japanese television, hmm. like telling their stories. And I was like, that's so fucking weird. Yeah. To one, have it on a random part of an under oath DVD. Yeah, I think that's the scariest part. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, and it was all these stories. Like, why make it up? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of stuff that, like, pushes me to be less than 50-50 about the validity of some of this stuff. Because I was like, why? Like, and, I mean, your person got famous and your person got famous kind of, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, this guy, he's not getting famous for that. Yeah. They showed him at, like, it was shot, I think, in some old, in, like, an old restaurant in the middle of the night. Like, they just happened to be there late and they just filmed this guy telling the story. Well, and at that point, like, that's when you have to start, like, wondering how much things, like, again, drugs, mental right. illness. Right. And, you know, w- just wanting to play a joke without, like, because, you know, you're not going to make, a, you're not really not going to make money off of a UFO sighting, like, even these days. But you still hear people talking about it, you know, and it just flies under the radar. You know, there's still people who say they've been abducted. Um, people do it for upvotes, for tens of upvotes now. It's tough to say that even just a smidge of troll status fame is not enough for people to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to completely fabricate some some shit. But I mean, that's always the tough question, um, you know, especially with the people that don't get famous. You know, there are examples of people that made a lot of money off of their stories um, with movie adaptations and books and stuff like that. Right. But in these cases, yeah, and, and, and the, the imagination behind it too, the amount of work it would go, you'd have to go through, like who would want to put themselves through that much work trying to convince people that you saw this crazy shit if it's not going to get you anywhere at the end of the day, you know? So it's like Randy Kramer. Are you guys familiar with Randy Kramer? Mm-mm. I won't get too much into it, but Randy Kramer is this dude who claims to be a part of the U S secret space program mm. and that he was in the Marines, but he was in the space Marines and was sent to the moon and then to Mars to fight Martians. <laughs> Just Starship <laughs> Troopers. <laughs> it, dude, like, oh, it's, you think it's funny, but I've listened to podcasts with him on it, and this shit's gnarly. Like, he has an answer for everything. So anything you can say is like a rebuttal, he has an answer to it. Like, it's it's so detailed and intense that it's fucking so close to being believable. Like, you want to believe the guy. It's some X-Files shit. I want to yeah, believe. I want to believe. You know what yeah. I, mean? yeah. I was like, holy cow. And he's detailed. And apparently, like I said, I don't want to get too much far into it, but there's been other people that have had similar accounts that have reported also being there. It'd be an interesting thing to maybe dig into at a much deeper depth right. in its that's own episode. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. That's, I mean, I got a little spooked just you know thinking about it. Even yeah. if it is, you know, that's the thing with these stories. Even if they are fake, they're they they're spooky. They're they're. Uh, if you want to know more, I might tell you more. Yeah. You want to know the part that spooks me the most about that whole thing, though? Authority. Just authority in general. Like, being followed by a helicopter. That shit's fucking terrifying. Yeah, I mean, that's... Like, we talked about it last week. Like, it's... You know, when you're looking at things that are scary, it's like a lot... When you become an adult, a lot of those things are things that could happen. And that's what makes them terrifying. Yeah, you're like, li- just being followed by some weird government entity that I don't know anything about. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that to death. Yeah. Well, it's like you're less you're less afraid of monsters and more afraid of the police. Yeah. Uh, some of these stories, like I said, based on the smaller numbers, are easier to kind of pick apart because you can say, oh, yeah, it's easy to come up with one story and stick to it when you're one person. Uh, but the story I'm about to tell has a group of four people uh, who were on a fishing trip. And they all were coworkers. 
they decided to go on a fishing trip and during that trip they were out on a boat and they saw some strange lights in the sky and after that they don't remember anything and they just disappeared like time frame disappeared and they woke back up on the boat basically several hours later having lost that time frame and not having any recollection you know the typical story and after going through hypnotherapy they were able to discern that they had been abducted that they had experience experiments done that they had been probed a lot of the issues that they ran into with their story and with keeping things straight was that they went through that whole process of having everything done. They had like polygraphs done and everybody was like trying to figure out, oh, hey, well, you know, were you on drugs? Did you, were you drunk when you were out there? Because I mean, a lot of fishing trips or camping trips end up being, you know, an, ex- an excuse to go out and, and try drugs or to drink heavily, that sort of thing. And they said that uh, at the store, they bought eight beers. And that they took in eight bottles, they took eight bottles back with them, and that there wasn't any additional content out there. So, I mean, obviously, eight beers between four people, that's not going to be enough to get drunk enough to, to, to imagine having some crazy experience. After a lot of time, like I said, these people went out and about into their daily lives, and they basically kept retelling their story after they figured out what happened. Over time, one of them made the decision to try to come out and say that it didn't happen, that they saw the UFO, that they saw the lights and all that crazy stuff, but that they made up the rest of the story, that everything else was complete shit and was fabricated and was just made as a believable story. The other three still say that that they believe what took place took place like i said all four of them after the hypnotherapy and everything passed polygraph tests saying that they believed the stories so a lot of people were saying that that this person who came out charles rack saying that he didn't remember the actual abduction parts and that that part was a complete fabrication they basically said you know you may not be telling the truth because at this point you've all passed polygraph tests Everybody believes the story, not everybody, but like people who believe in these types of stories believe that story. Um, and it's three, three against one at that point. Like I said, it's, it's hard. All of these stories have some little thing that you could pick out. All of them have weird things that also make them inherently compelling and good stories and also have some things that kind of point towards truthfulness. Like the previous story that I was telling, Antonio had uh, radiation poisoning. Uh, that was completely unexplained. And that's something that could potentially have been caused by some kind of contact with weird stuff. Not necessarily extraterrestrials. Could have been some kind of a weird government experiment. Uh, based on the time frame, it could have been like nuclear testing. It's tough to say exactly what happened. But um, like I said, in this case, the fact that one of them eventually turned against his group and the other three were like, hey, no, we still believe that this happened. It's tough to say, like, if you believe that that meant that everyone was lying or if that meant just he was lying and was trying to separate himself from this group. But apparently he also was the one out of the four of them that had some type of, like, mental issues and was on record for having, like, lashed out against his community and, like, was, like, you know, basically talking shit about all of the people who believed in alien abductions and it, <clears throat> it made it more difficult to believe him as somebody saying, Hey, no, this didn't happen. When I could see it in a, in a situation that's that, 
completely batshit that there would be a person in that group who would want to be in denial that would, mm-hmm. you know, that would want to deny that it happened for their own sanity, especially if they already have other issues going on. They're not going to want to convince themselves that something like, you know, that completely terrifying or otherworldly actually happened outside of their control. I think that's a big one. Yeah. How do you feel about the Allagash abductions? I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying where, you know, one person, yeah, they could easily make stuff up and maybe they convince himself that it's real, but to have four people more or less be all convinced of the same thing is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty, it's pretty far fetched to think that like, Oh, we just got our stories all corroborated. You know what I mean? And you see that a lot in television where you get these, I mean, usually it's murders and shit, right? Where it's like, well, all their stories match. And you know, a lot of times when you're watching stupid shit, like NCIS or whatever, mm. it's like the one person, it's like, oh, they couldn't keep their story straight. That's how we found it out that they were the killer or some shit like that. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, they're all matching and they're all the same. And it seems like their accounts are maybe different enough where it's believable. Same with the one that you told Anthony where they didn't have the exact same experience. But that makes sense because they were doing different things. Yeah. And so they're similar enough where it's like, okay, I can believe you and I can get behind this. But then also different enough where it's like, that makes sense to me. And okay, that's a uh, I believe weird. you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Right? Yeah. It's just fucking the banana boat. Yeah. <laughs> but it's weird that somebody would come out and the person that comes out as being like, nah, it's bullshit, is the one that turns out having the mental issues. Is the one that, that has the potential credibility issues. Right. And the other ones who would be considered to be more credible and the ones you would expect to dissent from the group are the ones who are like, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Right, and, and and we've talked about it too a little bit. It's like what what's the point of of making it up, right? If not for fame or whatever, like what are you getting out of it? So, and what would he in turn get from being like, nah, it didn't happen? It's just weird. It's a weird situation, and it's weird to have a group of people like that where the, you know a majority of them solely believe it, and then the ones like oh, I don't know, mm-hmm. but maybe he didn't have the same experience. Maybe he did see the UFO, and maybe he just didn't get abducted. You know what I mean? Yeah, that could be the case. Maybe he just was left there and was like, oh, yeah, something weird happened. But maybe he just lost time and didn't get abducted, and they still did. You know, maybe they did, like, an initial scan and was like, oh, those three, dope. That one, nah, we leaving that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, he's got, he suffered from schizophrenia or depression or some shit. Get him out. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's a situation, like, with World War Z, right, where the zombies aren't attacking the sick people because they don't want to have sick zombies. So maybe it could have been something like that where they did. I don't know. I mean, this is all bullshit, right? Yeah. But maybe they did a scan or something was like, okay, well he, there's something wrong with him. So Mm -hmm. we don't want to take that specimen. We want healthy specimens for whatever we're doing. Portion peak. All bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) It ties in a lot to what you were talking about with, uh, multiple people, uh, being involved in the abduction. And then also what you were saying about with, uh, with people, the story that I think is probably one of the most well-known alien abduction stories is Travis Walton. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a man who was out cutting down trees with six of his coworkers. So even more people involved in the situation in this case. Um, and they were out in their truck and saw a flying disc. Uh, Walton decided to go out and investigate and a beam of light came down and he disappeared. And the six friends booked it took off 
got scared. I don't, you know, we, we don't know for certain why they took off, but they took off. So they all pile into this truck, which must have been a pretty big truck to fit all those people. But they get back to town. He's gone. And basically they all were under suspicion of having murdered him and made up the abduction story to cover it up. So they all went through polygraph tests and all but one of the, those six men passed the polygraph and stood behind the story. What happened with the other guy? So uh, the the guy that, that didn't pass the, the polygraph, right? It, they chalked it a lot up to uh, polygraphs being easily to being easy to manipulate. I mean, a lot of like what we've been talking about, things like hypnosis and polygraphs, it there it's it's almost a pseudo it's almost a pseudoscience yeah it's right. which they're not like they're inadmissible in court right so. yeah yeah absolutely so in travis's case he tells a story of going up into the ship he his story is not particularly flashy in terms of what happened to him he met a few what sounds like grays that he thought uh at first were humans uh they kind of walked him around the ship at one point he picked up a glass cylinder and tried to fight his way out of the ship at that point they took him to a chair that had a lever he pulled the lever it showed him some crazy star map shit he thought okay he wakes up now out of the ship he thinks it's been probably about two hours turns out he had been gone for five days shit. so another case of a large amount of lost time that's one of the biggest ones we've had right mm -hmm. yep yeah so he comes back into town obviously He's not dead. The guys didn't kill him. He goes through a polygraph. He passes. So but his it, story from being gone for five days lined up with these guys' story that they told immediately, and they had no contact. Yeah. That's fucking crazy, dude. So basically what ends up happening with him after this is he writes a book. It's a pretty big book in the, in the UFO community. He starts to gain fame. Eventually what ends up happening is... His story gets adapted into a film called Fire in the Sky, um, which I saw as a child, which is part of why I gravitated toward telling this story, because I remember this movie really scaring the ever-living shit out of me. <laughs> um, it's, it's a movie that, in total, is not a great film, but the, the producers of the film instructed the writer to rewrite the abduction, the actual abduction, the scenes inside the ship, to make them flashier. And that's where the movie really sticks out in your mind because there's some of the most terrifying kind of body horror experimentation scenes, way different from what he actually told any, anybody had happened. Since then, he's ba he's basically become like a, a kind of messiah in the UFO community. He runs a summit called the Skyfire Summit for people who believe in UFOs. Um, he's even looking to get with Netflix or another service and do another adaptation of his story that's closer to what actually happened. So he's he's probably one of the biggest examples of someone who did gain fame out of it. But it's still interesting because it had so many people involved who, for the most part, were able to corroborate the story. Um, it definitely sounds like something that is hard to deny. But again, you know, a lot of the people who are UFO skeptics point to the fact that he did gain so much, you know, notoriety out of the experience. Um, he's still around doing his thing, uh, doing conventions and stuff like that. Still has the same mustache that he had, you know, when he got, <laughs> when he got abducted in 75. So yeah, that's the, that and, and the, uh, Barney and Betty story were the ones that I felt really stuck out as some of the biggest, most, uh, noteworthy abduction stories that I could find. So with any, with that one and with the last one that you just told John, 
do they ever go back to these people that like with Travis's friends or whatever, his coworkers, did they ever go back to those people later in life and ask them again? Like, do you still believe that this happened and they still are all in agreement? Yeah. In Travis's case, they've, they've gone back to uh, some of these people and asked them and, and they have, they, they still stick to their story this many years later that that's, that's actually what happened. That's crazy. What about with, yeah, so it's Those just it's four. just the four the four people. The one person is the only one who's changed his opinion. The other three are they still tell the exact same story, no embellishments, no growth. It's the same story, nothing else has changed. That's crazy. I think we're I think we're starting to make a believer out of you. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at these people, they have all become big people in the UFO and abduction communities. They do conventions, they do, like, basically the equivalent of keynotes, they write books, they make adaptations, all that other crazy stuff. The This story is not really one that I know a whole lot about of, but I do know specifically that it is someone who chose to be anonymous. So they entered, basically, a story about their their abduction to a couple of different, like, news sources, like magazines, newspapers, that sort of thing. Uh, Mrs. G. It's ba- it's a very basic, just like the run of the mill. I lost time. Uh, I had laundry in the basket. Um, I, I got probed. I got. <laughs> I, I left. I got probed. I I woke up without any of my without knowing where any of my time went, and that my laundry was still in the basket like six hours later. And it's a. It's still at this point. No one came forward and ever said that they were Mrs. G or that they entered the story. But like I said, it, it followed all of the same archetypes. Small creatures, gray skin, big black almond eyes, huge heads, long spindly, three to four finger hands. Like it, it's just, it, like I said, it, it's a lot of people will point to that as like the, hey, maybe some of these stories are true because this person didn't even want fame for it. Living in a, the age now where you know that there are people who are willing to just post some weird shit on the internet just to get a couple of clicks and a couple of upvotes, um, even though no one knows who they are or ever will know who they are, it's tough to say if that's really. A, but that's ad- more of like admissible. a modern way of thinking. Mm-hmm. How long ago was Mrs. G? Mrs. G was in the seventies or eighties, I think. And see, it wasn't like that then. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the internet wasn't. Well, now you have such a huge growth of things like creepypasta and stuff like that, mm-hmm. to where right. that makes it so much harder to believe these kind of things. I was reading a, st- a, st- a statistic that said that there's been a rise in abduction claims in modern day, but a fall in UFO sighting claims, which I think is very interesting because it seems to me that something like seeing a UFO might be more easily disproven than somebody just telling you, hey, this happened to me, um, and you can't really prove that it didn't. Uh, right. You know, so I, I, I didn't have time to get out my phone. I didn't have time to take a picture. I didn't have time to do this or do that. Whereas a UFO sighting, if you see something, you're going to fucking tweet that shit. Guaranteed. Yeah. You're going to take a picture of it. It's going to get tweet, you know, out on Twitter or out on Reddit or whatever. And you, and you see that all the time. I was even, when I was doing my research, I was seeing a lot of more modern uh, sightings of UFOs. You know, people, somebody just standing in a parking lot sees a UFO and boom, snaps a pic, a blurry pic, you know. But the there's still a lot less of that because it's just a lot harder, I think, with in the age of technology to prove anything unless you're just saying, hey, this happened to me and I lost time or, you know, I can't prove anything, but I can swear it happened. It's, yeah, it's just interesting to see how this the number of the ufo sightings and the abductions has changed um in modern day well then you have like the really really big 
UFO sightings, like with uh, with Hudson Valley or with the Phoenix Lights, like those are you know they're not like super crazy stories. It's just like some weird, unexplainable shit happened, and hundreds, if not thousands, of people saw them. And those are those are stories that are harder to explain, but also are harder to point and say that's for sure aliens too. Yeah, it's like, e- it's easier to say going back to your Area Fifty One story. You know, it's easier to say that that those sightings were some sort of military test or something, mm-hmm. you know, it, because a lot of the time it is, I, I think, pro, you know, probably is some sort of strange military test and we don't know what's going on. I, and, and area 51 really does test aircraft and weapons. That's, that's, and, and they test dangerous stuff, which is why they post all those signs that say, don't go in here. You will fucking die. Like <laughs> we're testing really dangerous stuff that is probably not going to make sense to you. If you see it, it's probably going to look very strange. I mean, I think what you were saying about the orbs disappearing and stuff, that sounds like, way beyond the realm of like human modern technology possibility mm. but we don't know you know we really don't we don't yeah they could but develop government man <laughs> yeah. we always need long scraggly hair now yeah but yeah so i mean i there are plenty of other stories um really uh big time stories that came a, a lot it was a really common thing to see a lot of these abduction stories going on after the two big ones uh, in the late 50s and the early 60s, it was a really common thing to see in the 70s and 80s where people were coming out saying, oh, this happened, that happened. You know, and that's all due to, like, crazy movies coming out and, like... LSD. Oh, yeah, like drugs. Co- cocaine in and, the 80s. <laughs> well, and fear of, like, Russia, too, right? Mm-hmm, like, yeah. Where a lot of the Twilight Zone stuff stems from. And I think that could be a reason, too, why we're not seeing UFO sightings so much anymore is because those have become so commonplace now that... Maybe that's not believable. So people just kind of write them off, right? So it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. And we're so so rational and so, like, scientific-based that if we see something, then we just think of it as, oh, that's a star or that's a plane or that's whatever. It's a satellite. It's a it's SpaceX. Right. Like, yeah. It's a weather right. balloon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then – but in the 70s or whatever, that's not – it wasn't as commonplace to see that kind of stuff. And so maybe those stories from then were – things that we have and technology that we have now that we kind of take for granted and don't really think twice about it. Yeah. Well, and, and obviously like you were, you were touching on the whole, like the Russia thing, like the red scare was a big deal, you know, dealing right. with the cold war and all that stuff. You know, there were definitely like spy crafts and stuff that definitely add to that list of like weird shit. That's not really explainable. But yeah. So now that we've broken down all of these different stories, you know, as basically as humanly possible because we're like i said we are not conspiracy theorists at our at our worst we're very skeptical of these things so yeah now that we've kind of broken some of these things down how do you feel in this moment as far as do you believe that we've made contact at any point in time do you believe that people have been abducted do you believe that the possibility is that it's less about ants on the freeway and more about actual studious higher life forms well i want to say that i completely agree with what anthony was saying earlier about the chances of there being alien life elsewhere i 100 percent believe that yeah Yeah. like there's no doubt in my mind that there's other planets with other kind of lives on there whether i think that life is intelligent enough to travel through the stars i guess that's a different question and i just i just don't know i mean i I guess i'm still 50 50 on it Mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot of weird shit and I think we talked about how some of that ties into the Egyptian stuff, and and we've seen hieroglyphics where there's your ancient, rockets. your classic ancient aliens, like you're, that, you right. know, yeah. 
and that stuff again could be just stuff that was unexplained and that's what we're putting our own spin on it right and that could happen you could say that about anything really and so i don't know i just have a hard time believing it because why wouldn't they want to make more contact because we're so stupid mm-hmm. in comparison you think like why not just be like hey what's up out of curiosity like wouldn't wouldn't you want to see like how you can mingle with that we know there's apes right and then Jane Goodall's like, well, yeah, I'm hell into apes, so I'm going to go study with those apes. Like, I'm going to be a part of those apes instead so of just testing she was apes. She was basically an alien going to, <laughs> to, to visit, yeah. The- but, yeah, because why wouldn't you want to do more than just check them out? Like, let's let's see what their life is like. Wouldn't they want to? And I guess that could tie into the tall whites where mm-hmm. it's like they're basically humans, so maybe that's what's happening. Maybe they are living among us now. I think for me, at the end of the day, as much as I call myself a skeptic, I like to keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to say that things like aliens and ghosts, if they exist, cool. I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna fight it as long as they don't abduct me or haunt me. I'm totally cool. I still think that these stories are more interesting because of the more rational things that could have caused them that we can't explain. We still can't explain the time loss that thing unless we just flat out say that people are lying. Then there's a lot of good interesting content and mystery to delve into i'm actually more interested in looking into that seeing if there's any content on the internet or in books of people having written you know I, I'm, I'm gonna go read the books that the skeptics wrote and and kind of i'm more interested in seeing how they explain like this group this group hallucination uh, you know type event if it's happening um so while i still don't believe i think i'm uh, an interest has been kind of lit you know, in me from from doing the research and everything. And who knows, maybe I'll end up getting way too creeped out like I did when I was a kid and just close the book on it and go, nope, they don't exist. Please, they don't exist, please. You know, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> what about you? But yeah, so you uh, you made an interesting point as far as we have basically a bunch of people who are saying, yes, this is 100% true and this is 100% false. You know, and I think that somewhere the answer is in that, that 98 that's being left off the table, somewhere in the gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, (laughs) and i you know who's to say as to where it lies on that spectrum if it's closer to what they're saying is true or if it's closer to what they're saying is is inherently false it's just like with things like spirits and the afterlife and all these other crazy things it's like i'm fairly skeptical about most things and that's that's just part of my dna you know like it's it's something that i've always had to kind of struggle with but like if you gave me irrefutable proof i'd be like fuck yeah that's dope and that's, that's just along the short of it i'd be like if you like gave me something that was like completely 100 percent irrefutable evidence that there was an existence of you know of extraterrestrials that have made contact with humans i'd be like fuck yeah that's cool tell me more but i want to know kind more of proof would you need to see to believe it because a, a picture could be fake videos could be fake like what would you would you need to see the alien <laughs> you'd need, you would need to get abducted and then no one would believe you <laughs> No, I I think what I would need is like, like all of a sudden, just like we're at like a like a government rally, and then like Donald Trump reveals himself to be a fucking alien or some shit. Like that's what I would need. I would need something so ridiculous that it could only be true. You would do that, and then out of nowhere, Anthony would pop in and do the. I think the real question that we should be asking ourselves is why the fuck are they hella into buttholes? <laughs> Trying to figure out what we're eating, I guess. I mean, they see a hole, they want to put something in it. Like, yeah. do we do that when we test stuff on animals? We're like, hey, 
let's check out their buttholes. I mean, we apes. We let's take check like, out the buttholes. We take like temperatures and shit that way. Right. Maybe they're just making sure you don't have a fever. <laughs> You're like, bro, just feel sick. my fucking forehead, dog. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's weird. I think it's weird that that's like a thing. Like we're all probed. Like why? So if anyone out there has the answers, why buttholes? You can reach us at porcelainpeak.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hashtag why buttholes. <laughs> Awesome. So yeah, that's going to wrap it up for the main course for this evening. Uh, let's go ahead and hop into our watch lists. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some video today. Um, a couple things that I will recommend is the podcast called Spirits. It's about these two girls and they drink and tell like mythological stuff or sometimes ghost stories and weird shit like that. I listened to an episode today actually. That was about Thor, so I thought you would find that pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it was Thor, Thor, <laughs> and it was Thor like Marvel versus the myth, and so it kind of did a compare and contrast of what's in the lore and then what Marvel pulled to use from that, and a little bit of Thor history and kind of just the Nordic god history, and so that was pretty cool. And they do different stuff, and usually the drink that they have during the episode is themed toward the episode. That is super cool. Sounds interesting. Yeah, so I, I would recommend that to listeners. And then I also wanted to recommend the trailer for this new horror movie called Antlers. It's pretty rad, and it has Guillermo producing mm-hmm. and Nick Casa. I always butcher that guy's name. He was one of the backing forces behind Channel Zero. So I might have actually seen this trailer. I Carrie Russell in it? I think so, yeah. I think I might have actually seen it before Ready or Not. It looks pretty wild. So. Yeah. I would recommend checking out that trailer, and, and if you are into it, let me know what you think. If you want someone who's going to dive into things like alien abductions at a much deeper level and actually like somewhat believes in some of these things when they talk about them, uh, the Chaluminati podcast. Uh, they are a group of three uh, YouTubers and Twitch streamers who, on their, like, their side hobby that's not just playing video games and talking about trivia and stuff, is specifically diving into, like, conspiracy theories and, like, seeing if there's any credence to them, you know, talking about stuff like the Love Pass and, like, you know, like, said alien abductions or uh, crazy, like, supernatural events that, like, are hard to disprove. Uh, and I think they do a really, really good job of kind of giving the vantage points from, like, someone who's, like, super into it and from someone who's super skeptical about it and they actually get into some of those nitty gritty arguments as to like, is there really truth to these things that are being said? And if you're, if you were into this episode at all, you'll definitely be into their show. I have a couple uh, quick ones. So in terms of TV, I started watching a show called Carnival Row. Mm, oh, it's on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. On Amazon. It's Amazon's new big original project. It's something that Guillermo del Toro was originally supposed to be attached to as well. He seems to have a style of being attached to projects and then leaving them. The show is definitely not for everyone. It does a lot of very, very big world building that where they don't hand anything to you. So it's just a lot of... Basically, the premise is it's this entire world that's filled with fawn-type creatures... Uh, pixies, like werewolf-type creatures, Lovecraftian things, and they all represent different classes and races. So it's all this big allegory, and they all have their racial slurs that are based on the, the characters and everything, so it's all very social commentary, and it can be very tough to get into, especially slogging through the first episode, because they are hour-long. But visually, it's stunning. It has Orlando Bloom, if you, if you like that. 
I'm enjoying it so far, but I, I have looked at some of the reviews and I do know that the critic scores have been around 55% and the audience scores have been like 80 something, like pretty high. So it's one of those shows where it's not for everyone. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to mention in, in terms of trailers was, has anyone seen the trailer for Gretel and Hansel? No, I have not. It was sent to me. I have not watched it yet. Gretel and Hansel directed by Oz Perkins. Oh, Nice. He directed a horror movie that I personally love called The Black Coat's Daughter. He has a very interesting visual style. Kind of reminds me a little bit of The Witch, which makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, for this story. Uh, the It stars the girl who plays the young Beverly in It as mm. Gretel. So just a couple things tying into, you know, it, it Chapter 2. And then also just horror movies from good directors. Obviously, Oz Perkins has a lineage in, in horror through himself and his father. I, I think the trailer looks great. I think it looks pretty spooky and we might get a good Hansel and Gretel adaptation that isn't the Jeremy Renner one that we had. <laughs> so yeah, I'd, I'd say check out the trailer and see if it's something you want to go to the theater for. Yeah. That Gretel's so hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Although that list wasn't exhaustive, we hope that you found it informative and fun and probably a little creepy because we definitely did. At best, we'd hope it's something that would pique your interest to look into this further like I said, there are plenty of other stories. There were at least 10 that I left off the table because they weren't something that just jumped out at me as like a big time story. But there are little encounters that have taken place over the course of the last few decades that are definitely worth delving into. And as we continue through this sci-fi September, next week we are going to be talking about Ad Astra. It's a new Brad Pitt movie. takes place in space. Hope it's good. Trailers have been a little hit and miss. But I'm excited to see how it turns out. So join us next week. We are working on getting you guys an It bonus episode as soon as possible since it is technically not science fiction. And hopefully we can get that to you guys soon. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening. Keep it creepy. You can find Porcelain Peak on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify. And if you're going to listen to PodCoin, don't forget to use the code PORCELAIN. That's P-O-R-C-E-L-A-I-N for 300 free coins. Wherever you listen, don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe so you never miss a spine-tingling episode. Don't forget to follow us at Porcelain Peak on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or check us out on porcelainpeak.com for additional content. Special thanks to Randy Greer for writing and producing our intro song, and to Anthony Silva for designing the Porcelain Peak logo. This has been here for this fair weirdos production. Guys. I was abducted. <laughs> this is, was it during this two-hour time frame when we recorded this episode? Yeah, I lost the whole two hours. <laughs> it's gone. See you later. <laughs> I'm going to have that in there. I was like, you're going to fucking keep that shit in. I know you I will. thought about that like like a half hour ago, and I was like, I'm going to wait till the, <laughs> till the end to say it.